Hello, I'm Courtney Garrett, and this is the 101 Christianity Podcast. These messages accompany Discovering the Character of God, a 14-week Bible study I wrote on the attributes of God, which is available on Amazon. I pray this message will encourage you as you grow in your understanding of God's character. Okay, so this morning we are in our second of three installments on the Big O's. Um, last week we talked about uh, God's omnipotence, and this morning we're going to be talking about God's omnipresence, and then next week is God's omniscience. And so God is all-powerful, He is all-present, and that He is all-knowing. And so we'll be talking about that next week. So today, uh, God is omnipresent. And I have been, you know, I told you the three things that always happen, that I get overwhelmed, how am I going to handle this, and then I talk about this is the most important thing, um, and then sometimes feeling that spiritual warfare. I, for whatever reason, this week was especially encouraging to me, um, perhaps because I think of the bigness of God and omnipresence, but just his personal, his intimacy with us, the nearness of God was deeply encouraging to me, and I hope it was for you as you look at your lesson this week in God's Word. So today what I thought I would do is talk about what God's omnipresence does. Three things that God's omnipresence does. It assures us of His presence in our everyday lives. It reminds us of His presence throughout the world. And it calls us to consciously practice His presence. It assures us of His presence every day reminds us of, our pre of his presence throughout the entire world, not just in Houston, Texas, and then it calls us to consciously practice his presence. So first I want to talk about what it means for, for God's omnipresence to assure us of his presence in our everyday lives. You learned this week just ba the basic definition of God's omnipresence, and that really that God is everywhere, and there is no place that he is not. There is a lot of complexity in that, though, because we think of God, in a sense, being far off and yet near. And so there's kind of the both and. And you saw that in that verse in Jeremiah 23, 23 this week. I, am I not a God near and a God far off? This is what God says about himself as well. And so I want to maybe try to help us understand that in giving you two terms. Um, these are kind of theological terms, but they're helpful. It's God's transcendence and God's eminence. And you may have heard these words before, but God's transcendence and his eminence. God's transcendence is the idea that God exists outside of time and space. So we talked about that when we talked about God being eternal, right? That he exists. We tend to think in, in you know, in, in, in time, in like a timeline, a linear timeline. But if God exists outside of time and space, it's very hard for us to kind of understand that. But that is what God's transcendence is. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's God's transcendence. God's eminence is different. It's the idea that God is present within time and space. That is God's eminence. He is present in all creation while remaining distinct from it. Colossians 1.17 says, In him all things hold together. This is God's eminence. 
So he is both transcendent and he is imminent. Now, imminent, let me just make sure you're, imminent, there's two definitions. Imminent is like Christ's return is imminent, like it's coming. The imminence, as we're talking about, is a different spelling. It means that he is present within time and space. So this nearness of God, imminence, I want to talk about for a second, is so amazing to think that he is near to us. I just kind of kept on thinking about the nearness of God this week. <coughs> Ephesians 2.13 is so reassuring when it tells us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.13. Isn't that amazing? We were enemies of God. And it, were it not for the blood of Christ, we would not be near to God. A few weeks ago, we talked about God's love for us. And I, I think I rocked the boat a little bit when I talked about the fact that we, in order to be God's children, we must be adopted into his family, that not everyone is a child of God. I think that's a myth that needs to be dispelled. And that's not to say that you're wagging fingers and saying, not everybody's a child of God. But what you need to understand is that we have the privilege, we become, we have the right to become a child of God. We are adopted into his family through faith in Christ. Yes, everyone is created by God. Yes, everyone has dignity. Yes, everyone is made in God's image, but not all, not everyone can say they are a child of God. There are special promises as children of God. And so we can experience God's personal love for us because of our status before Him. Nothing can ever change that. In the same way, God's presence is known and experienced profoundly as a child of God. Not everybody can experience this closeness and nearness of God with God if they are not a child of God. When we are saved, we are in Christ. You see that over and over again in Scripture, especially in Ephesians. I think 17 times Paul says, you are in Christ. We are in Christ. We are in Him because of what Christ has done for us. And then the Holy Spirit is in us. God is in a special way, attentively present to those who call upon His name as children of God. We also, though, see this nearness of God, especially in these promises that we see through suffering. We see, we see many scriptures that talk about God's nearness there. And we need to make sure that we do not let the circumstances of our lives lie to us about the attributes of God. They do, though, sometimes. Our specific circumstances will lie to us sometimes about God and what he's, what he's doing but we need to remember, when we suffer, we suffer in the presence of God when we are in Christ. He has not left us. Several verses speak to this and are so encouraging. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of what? The worst thing to us, maybe the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 46, 1. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Psalm 34, 18. God is near to the brokenhearted and saves those that are crushed in spirit. Near to the brokenhearted. How many times have you been brokenhearted? God says he's near. Now turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 91. I'm going to look at these verses for a moment. 
You may have heard this before, but if not, stick in your pocket because you might need it one day. That Psalm 91 can be thought as your 911. Have you thought of that? I didn't make that up. Um, but it's good, it's helpful. So when you are feeling particularly afraid or discouraged, or there's something that is, you know, really like you are feeling very fearful, turn to 911, which is your Psalm 91. And I'm going to read a few verses starting in verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. And then drop to, to verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Did you see this? I will protect him because he knows my name. He is specially attentive to those who call upon his name. And I love also that this chapter speaks to the fact that God is both is strong, that he is a strong fortress, but he is tender, like a bird. We are hiding under his wings. He is strong and he is tender. And we need to cling to the nearness of God when we cannot feel it. Sometimes we're looking for a feeling, and sometimes we don't feel his presence, do we? But we still need to call out to him and know that it is true and, and the feelings may come. They may come. They may not come. That does not change the truth that God is present with us. Fanny Crosby was a woman who was, um, she's a pretty famous hymn writer. She, I, I just kind of did a quick search. Somebody, somewhere out there, 9,000 hymns. I don't know if that's right or not. Unbel I mean, I don't even know how many you have to write every day. I don't know. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, because I don't she went by some pseudonyms, so they don't know exactly how many she wrote. But she wrote a hymn called Close to Thee. And in one verse it says, Thou my everlasting portion, more than a friend or life to me, all along my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with thee. Close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, all along my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with thee. I love that it is just reassuring to be able to walk with God as you would a friend. That nearness and that closeness. Fanny Crosby was blind, by the way. She lost her sight when she was very young. And so I, it is especially meaningful to think of the closeness of somebody um, having gone through life without being able to see. A.W. Tozer says it this way, too, and I think this is powerful. He says, the doctrine of the divine omnipresence personalizes man's relation to the universe in which he finds himself. This great central truth gives meaning to all other truths and imparts supreme value to all his little life. God is present, near him, next to him, and God sees him and knows him through and through. I love that. He imparts, God's omnipresence, it imparts supreme value to all our little lives. And our lives do seem 
little and wide of who God is, but it's not little to him. We need to also understand that we cannot equate God's presence with the change in our circumstances. Sometimes when we feel that God is far off, we think he is not near because he has not changed his circumstances. That, that if, if he were to, to change something, then we would know that he is near to us. Sometimes God doesn't change circumstances for a long time. Some of the things that we're praying for, we may not see the fruit of that, and we might not see the result of that on this earth. There's things that are not going to be wrapped up for us until we get to heaven. But we can't equate the fact that he has to do something for us to sense that he is near. We have to rest in his presence even when things don't change, perhaps for a long time. So secondly, God's omnipresence reminds us of his presence throughout the whole world. Now this is something that I struggle with because, to be honest, I am self-preoccupied. I'm just think more about myself than I do anybody else most of the time. And um, I'd love for that to be different. That's a prayer to try to get over myself, die to self, all these things. But but beyond that, then we if we just if we do get over ourselves and we're just right here in Houston, we forget that God is at work all over the world. And the, the doctrine of God's omnipresence can help us understand that He is work, at work everywhere around the world and that there's a universal church who is calling out and crying out to God and worshiping God all over the world. Uh, my husband and I this weekend went away to the hill country and when we were driving back, it was on Sunday morning and we, um, our map told us to kind of go a different route so we kind of went through some small towns and since it was Sunday morning there were just these little country churches along the way with, you know, like 20 cars in the drive, in, you know, in the, in the parking lot and there was something so encouraging about that. Like, who are these 20 people in this little country town that are gathering? You know, we, we live in Houston, and we go to big churches often, and we just see a big show. But these are faithful people in these small towns, and that was reassuring to me in, in thinking about God's presence everywhere. But in order for us to understand really his work everywhere, we need to have a missions mindset. And if you're like me, you vacillate between being overwhelmed at what you sense the need is around the world of unreached people groups or, um, or the fact that there's severe poverty and disease in other parts of the world. And then I vacillate between that and then hearing really encouraging things that God's doing around the world. But what I know is that we are all called to pray for God's work around the world. Every one of us can pray for God's work around the world. That gets us over ourselves. True, you know, truly also. So we need to remember to pray, but we can also do other things. We can go on a mission trip. If you can't go on a mission trip, you can send somebody on a mission trip. You can, you can partner with a missions organization, or you can support a missionary. And, and really just dig deep in, in that and just think, I am going to support this one person who is in Latin America, and I'm going to support them and hear about them, and I'm going to commit to pray with and for them. All of us can pray. I have gone on a couple of mission trips, and each time I come away just thinking, why do I think about, why do I get caught up in the cares and concerns of my day when there's God's doing bigger things in other places in the sense that there's needs that he's meeting in these places like water. I've gone on a living, living water trip, which is so amazing. You dig a well in these places, and people have clean water. I mean, things that we certainly take for granted. I know that we can't go all go on a mission trip, but we can certainly send or pray. 
Um, I love what 2 Chronicles say, says. Uh, 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. All over the world, God is at work. Um, a few weeks ago, my husband and I were leaving church and we had our kids and um, juggling a few things and uh, John handed me this little craft they had made in Sunday school and I'll be honest, I, I might oftentimes this little scrub scrub on something and I'm like, oh, that's great, good, good, <laughs> throw it away. Um, and maybe I'll ask him in the car what you talk about in Sunday school, but I'm bad about throwing away those crafts. And if you're in children's ministry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, because I know y'all work hard on those. Okay, but this week, um, I, I think I have a problem with clutter and that's the other thing. But anyway, we can talk about that later. Um, the, what happened this week was that we were walking out and John just sort of handed it to me and it was this cup and I'm walking by the trash on the way out and, and, um, and you know what I do. I know, Jan, it's bad. Anyway, and so I looked and I just, and I, and I just, I just threw it into the rest of the coffee cups that I had seen, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden I saw on the a word on it, it said persecuted. And I picked it up and it was this cup, this little styrofoam cup, and I meant to bring it with, and it just says, pray for the persecuted church. <laughs> and there were little um, sticks out, um, sticking out of it that were like to remind you, Yemen, Cuba, Haiti, China. Oh, guys, I mean, I have it. Jan. I've kept it. And it is next to my desk. And it's not a cute craft. It's a reminder to pray. And I'm going to leave it there. It is something to help me understand that God is at work around the world. It's not about me every day. And so that's something for us to all think about. Lastly, God's omnipresence calls us to consciously practice his presence. I love this idea of practicing God's presence. What does that mean? And hopefully when you looked at your uh, study this week, it talked about Brother Lawrence and his book on um, practicing the, the practice of the presence of God. If you have never read it, it is not a long book, but it is a profound little book. And I looked up the, the kind of the definition of practice, and I... And it says, to perform or work out repeatedly so as to become proficient. But I like this definition also. To do or perform often, customarily or habitually. Customarily. Get into the habit or the custom of just walking with the Lord throughout our day. Every bit of it. What is it that keeps us from practicing God's presence? Yes, we're distracted, and certainly sin, sin can, can do that, but what else? Jerry Bridges, in his book, Respectable Sins, which is a, a great and convicting book. Pick it up if you're ready, but only, only when you're ready, because it's convicting. And I think the men of the church are actually reading the, the Respectable Sins right now. Um, but basically, he talks about how we tend to minimize the these sins that are really significant to God. We think, oh, I'm not committing the big sins. These, these are just little things, but they are big. They're big. Anxiety, worry, anger, some of those things. And so he says in kind of the first part of the book that many people say the root cause of all sin is pride. But he said, I don't think that it, it is pride. He says, I think it is even more basic and widespread than that. And he said it was the sin of ungodliness. 
Now, he didn't say ungodliness, um, equating that to unrighteousness and, and, and being turning away from God and, and being in all kinds of sin. He says it's much more subtle than that. He defines ungodliness as living one's everyday life with little or no thought of God, God's will, God's glory, or of one's dependence on God. Living one's everyday life with little or no thought of God, God's will, God's glory, or of one's dependence on God. All of us can fall into this, right? We can have our quiet time in the morning and read a little bit and then just check out. I mean, I don't know, not involve God in our day at all. We can go to church on Sunday. That was, that was an encouraging message. And then a couple days go by and think, oh, I probably need to pick up my Bible and kind of get back in tune with the Lord. Jerry Bridges asked these questions. He says, how much of my life do I live without any regard for God? How much of my daily activities do I go through without any reference to God? It's something for us to think about because this is subtle. But I, I think if we're going to practice God's presence, it's a practice. That means it takes discipline. My mom, I, I really feel like modeled oftentimes what it meant to practice God's presence. I grew up in Abilene, in a small town, and it was not uncommon for us to be driving around. I had th three siblings. One of them's here. She's like, what are you getting ready to say? And um, we would drive around in our metallic brown Buick station wagon around town, and it would not be uncommon for us to be zooming around town and mom to pull into the grocery store and then all of a sudden she'd be like, Father, we need a parking place. We are in a hurry. And I mean, and, and that, we would be like, oh. but she'd be like, look, look at what's over here. Look what the Lord did. Just go to the parking place right here. Or, I mean, anytime, any, I mean, just, she would just have these outbursts of prayer. Father, Courtney has a chemistry test today. We ask in Jesus' name that she would remember the things she had studied. Whatever. I mean, you know, just, it was always to just be praying and talking out loud. And you know, you're in the back seat, you're like, my mom. And I was like, what am I doing these days? The same thing. Lord, Jack's got a test. And so it is important, though, to understand that that is what practicing God's presence is. Just in an ongoing conversation, she just is talking to him like a friend. So to wrap up what Jerry Bridges says, let me just give you one more quote. Our goal in the pursuit of godliness should be to grow more in our conscious awareness that every moment of our lives is lived in the presence of God, that we are responsible to Him and dependent on Him. We are dependent on Him. I mentioned that we got away this weekend. We were in the hill country, and I don't know how this happened, but I mean, like the days, I think it was the same here in Houston, but Saturday and Sunday like were the perfect day. It was beautiful, and we walked on walking trails, and it was just the perfect, you know, we ate good food, we got rest, all these things. It is one thing to practice God's presence in that environment when you walk out of a massage, and your greatest concern of the day is if you're going to take a nap, read, or go on a walk before dinner. Like, what am I going to do? And you're just... I couldn't thank the Lord enough for the weather, for the environment, for every bit of it. It is one thing to practice God's presence there. I didn't struggle. Monday morning when the alarm goes off and you're peeling your kids out of bed and nobody's excited about breakfast and your boys are fighting and nobody can find their shoes, I, I struggle. I 
struggle to practice God's presence. Am I right? Do you think that God cares about me practicing his presence just as much on a Monday morning than I'm on that carefree, glorious day in the whole country? I think he cares, perhaps even more so. Because do you remember what we talked about with Paul saying that we can boast in our weakness because that is when his power rests on us. But ladies, oftentimes I just forget. I just forget to enter him into that situation and just be like, this day, is, this morning is hard. Help me. I need your perspective. Help me love my children. Help me to be patient. It's hard. It takes discipline to practice the presence of God and just really, frankly, awareness. So what has changed in those two scenarios that I gave? Did God change? My circumstances changed. But God never changes, right? He's always there. An ever-present help in time of need. So you may say, I would love to practice the presence of God, but I don't feel close to Him. Have you ever felt like that before? Sure, I want to be close to God, but I don't, I'm not feeling it. God can feel far off because He is He is far off in character. He's totally different than us. But it is our heart that puts us, puts distance between God and us. Matthew eleven twenty eight though, is a great reset. You know what it says? Come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. The first thing he says is come. You have to come. So if we don't feel close to God, perhaps it is time to do a heart inventory. Do some work with the Lord. Ask yourself some questions. When I don't feel close to the Lord, is there unconfessed sin in my heart? Is there unforgiveness with someone? Because, see, that might not fall under the sin category because you might feel really justified in your position. But unforgiveness can keep us from, from really sensing the presence of God. Are, are we walking in God's truth? Are we in His Word? Are we obeying Him? Are we letting His Word abide in us, which we've talked about? Sometimes when we are physically sick, it is very hard to feel presence of God. For me personally, last year, I could not kick something, and I think it felt like six weeks I was sick. And sometimes our feelings just get the best of us in those situations, but God has not moved. And you know, maybe it's one big thing that has caused you to not feel close to the Lord. You might be going through such a heartbreak and a disappointment that it is very hard to sense His presence. And it may not even be one big thing, but just a string little heartbreaks have happened such that you feel like a cloud of disappointment has settled over you and you're not sure that the clouds are going to break. What we have to do, ladies, is come. We have to point our feet toward the cross and tell our broken little hearts one truth to sink deeply into. Because we can't let the circumstances of our lives lie to us about the attributes of God. It is not wrong to pray to sense God's presence. Oftentimes, that is what I pray for people that I know that are going through deep suffering right now. Lord, would you help them to sense your presence, that you are with them in this. I pray that often. It is not wrong to say, Lord, would you show me a sign of your goodness? That's what the psalmist said. Lord, would you show me a sign of your goodness? 
And I don't know what that looks like. That might be an encouraging friend. That might be the reminder to read your Bible or, or to listen when you listen to a song. I don't know. But not too long ago, a friend of mine told me that she was out in California and she was walking on the beach and she was going through something really heavy and just feeling just disappointment and discouragement. And so she said, she's like, it was a really bright day. And she said, Lord, would you just... Could you, send me, could you send me a rainbow? And she was like, I know I shouldn't pray for that. I know I shouldn't pray for that. But would you, you know, could you give me a rainbow? And she felt silly praying it. And then she looked up, and as the waves were crashing and the spray was coming up, she didn't see one rainbow. She saw rainbow after rainbow after rainbow. And she was like, Lord, you're so good. You didn't have to do that. Thank you. Sometimes I think we just need to have open eyes to see the goodness of God in our lives. That he's trying to show us signs of his goodness all over the place. And we're so focused on what we want him to do that we don't just rest in who he is. We need to rest in who he is. Alan Fleece, a pastor that lived many years ago, said, The knowledge that God is present is blessed. But to feel his presence is nothing less than sheer happiness. So we sometimes can feel it, but to know it is enough. To know it is enough. For more information about our resources, please visit 101christianity.com. And for more encouragement, you can follow along on Instagram at Courtney underscore Garrett underscore. Let's press on as we seek to know the truth and share the truth.